trip. God, we thank you that there are plans and purposes that are divine uh, that you have. And Lord, we're asking right now, Jesus, just for, um, for one, I pray that you would break the work of the enemy, God, to confuse, to bring disunity. And we ask now, God, that you would bring about a spirit of unity, God, a spirit of joy, God, a, uh, this laughter, God, among this group, God, they can enjoy you, enjoy one another, God. And I pray, Lord, for heart change. I pray that you do something of conviction, a work of repentance in their heart, God, of the life they've lived and now the life that you're calling them to. And that, Lord, they would fall more in love with you and in love with the nations and they would fall in love with the oppressed across the world, God, today, so they would change the trajectory of their life forever. I pray, Father, that you would do this work, and God, I pray they would come back and it would be a change in the life of vintage. Well, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive in this morning. If you don't know, we're in a small group series uh, called The Plan. It's right there. And the, we talked about it actually last week some. And so we were week three in. Um, so I'm going to kind of catch you up real quick. It's super simple, right? So the first week we talked about, hey, Paul looks at all the churches in Asia Minor, including Ephesus, and says, all right, before we go anywhere, you have to know who you are in Christ, right? You have to know your identity, that you've literally been blessed. This is important. Don't, this is not just the beginning part. This is really important. I'm trying to get you on board with where we're going, okay? You've been richly blessed in the spirit realm and on earth with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So he wants you to know how important you are in the eyes of God. He says, man, you have, you have been adopted as sons and daughters, right? So you have inheritance. You have access to God, right? Like, it is amazing. So the idea, there's something powerful, and y'all know this. How many of you know people, don't raise your hand, right, because maybe your neighbor, people who literally live their life as if they're rejected and everything going on? And it colors everything that they do to the point that negativity literally is all that comes out of their mouth, right? Because they literally live in this place of rejection, this place of negativity. And Paul recognizes humanity and says, hey, man, do you know how richly blessed you are? You've got to start with the reality of who you are in Christ and what he's done. And he says, so now you have confidence in God's work in your life. Second was that the next last week he said, now... Let's talk about the plans and the purposes that God has in the midst of chaos in in our world. That we have now confidence in who God is. He said, I have these plans and I have these purposes to bring everything under unity in Christ. And so the idea is that God is moving, that God is moving literally at every moment in the midst of chaos to bring restoration to everything in the world. And we said last week, and that chaos really is being used by God to point the world, point our world to its need for a savior. Without chaos, we would not recognize our need for Jesus. And so in that, there's confidence that we have in him, that he's moving, there are plans, that there are purposes in God. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of brokenness, God is moving. Which leads us to the message this morning where we're going to be talking then that, that this produces a level of faith inside of us. And then faith then has action attached to it, right? You can't just have faith without movement. There's, this, there's no faith without action. So next week we're going to talk about the action of love. But this week we're going to focus primarily on faith. Now here's the thing we prayed about this morning. Please don't get lost. In like bored because I'm talking about faith because it's a word you've been hearing all of your life. 
Like I want you to, I want you, I want you in humility. I heard someone say one time that humility is the ability to hear something over and over and over again. But each time you hear it, you hear it as if it's the first time you've heard it. And so allow God this morning to awaken an understanding of faith inside of you. Maybe in a way you've never thought about before. So say just that idea saying, God, just awaken a new revelation, a new wisdom, a new understanding of what faith means to you in my life and in our lives. Okay? So, is that fair? We're going to receive it for the first time you ever heard it this morning. You're super pumped to learn about faith. You're ready to take some notes and some mental notes. It's going to be awesome this morning, right? It's like, shut up, Steve. Just keep on talking. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. And we're just reading two verses this morning. 15 and 16 says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We're going to read it again just for, the, for giggles. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, bless you, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so what we find is worth noting that that Paul literally in the writing just stops. All right, I just got to stop real quick. I just got to stop. Man, I just got to I just got to I got to stop and give thanks. All right. I just got to stop and and give thanks because I've just talked about, you know, your spiritual blessings and who you are. I talked about God in the midst of chaos, bringing restoration, everything under unity because he has a plan and a purpose. But, man, I'm just hearing great things. I just got to stop for a moment and just talk about you all. Right. I got to talk about your life. And I just, and what I'm, what I'm undone, I'm amazed by the thing that excites me. Like, you know, when you're talking to someone and all of a sudden they like remember something about you. Like, oh my gosh, I just heard blah, 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 whatever it was. And you're like, oh yeah, you were excited about my life. Well, I'm excited about my life too. That was great. Like you've done that experience that that's what Paul does. He stops in the moment with a level of excitement in the moment to, to name something that he's heard about them. So like the, the founding pastor of Riverstone, Tom, uh, Betty and brought Charles Sineth by Vintage on Friday, right? Charles Sineth, a lot of you know his name, like brought Charles by and, and Randall like stopped what she, I, I couldn't, I was, I was literally driving to, to, to Gainesville, but, my, but Randall literally stopped what she was doing. She like left someplace and came up here just to hang out and meet and, and it was great. He came and talked about Vintage. You know what he did? He just shot me an email when he got home in Charles fashion. And he just literally, you know what it was? It was a, an email this long affirming me and affirming you. You know, that's just, like, I, it caused me to stop, right? Because there's something powerful when someone names something about you that's just, that's just a win, right? Something of affirming. It's like, listen, I just, basically just what he said was, I see God moving and it excites me. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm excited too now, right? And so Paul's doing that in the moment, stopping in the moment and, and saying, I'm excited about what God's doing in you. I'm excited about your faith in the Lord Jesus, number one. I'm excited about your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then what that produces, number two, your love for all of God's people. So this morning we're separating them, but they weren't separated from Paul, right? We're going to look at faith this morning, and then next week we're going to look at faith and love connected together, right? But I want to just talk about faith. But we see, like, I'm excited because I see your faith. We're going to talk about this, and then how it automatically compels, because they have to go together. It leads you to action. It leads you to movements. It leads you to, to loving God's people. And so what you could say is that these are signs 
or evidence of those who are truly Christians. The idea of like faith expressing itself in love is the nature of the Christian life. So let's just talk about faith this morning. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Faith speaks to trust and belief. It speaks to trust and belief. One theologian states that faith emphasizes a deep personal trust in Jesus, not just belief in facts. So when we talk this morning about faith, faith is not just here in the head. Faith is here and then here and then leads itself to expression. Hear that again. Everybody pay attention. Faith is not here only. Faith is here. It's going to be here like the heart, your mind, will, and your emotions. And then it's going to be expressed in your actions. They have to all three be present, right? So it's a deep personal trust in Jesus, not just a belief in facts. In fact, what he would say is the word trust is a better word to use in our culture than faith or belief. Because in our culture, we can believe something to be true and have no personal commitment or dependence on it. Trust. Like you understand the nature of trust. And so the idea of faith both here and in Ephesians and everywhere else in the New Testament does not speak about faith in the context just, hear this, of a salvation experience. Paul is not giving thanks because of their initial step of faith in the relationship with Jesus. Instead, it's important to understand he's speaking about an ongoing faith. It had an initial point and then it had this ongoing nature to it of trusting in Jesus for every day in their life. To have faith in the Lord Jesus means that in all things, everyday life, that they trusted, they trusted Jesus to meet their needs, to bring breakthrough and to sustain them in difficulties. So faith and trust, not just here, because the person, I believe in Jesus and never have done anything else with it, and they're dying and going to hell. All sorts of good people believe in Jesus, as in they believe with a mental assent that he is true. I would say, unfortunately, there are many people who sit in churches on Sunday morning and think they're going to heaven, who have a mental assent of Jesus, and that's it. And that, my friends, is the great tragedy of church today, is we teach a gospel that does not speak of the lordship and the leadership of Jesus, that he is the Lord and in control of everything of your life. There's no salvation apart from lordship. This is the nature of salvation. This is the nature of faith. It's not just a moment where you gave your life to Jesus. It's the everyday expression of trust in Jesus, that he is in charge and that he is leading. You prayed a prayer when you were six. That's great. Prayers don't save anybody. They don't. Faith in the Lord Jesus, both here and here, an expression is the sign of those who have truly given their lives to Jesus. And so in the context then of trusting him, it means that we're trusting Jesus with our children, with our marriages, with our spouse, or maybe for you, for your future spouse, for your job, your finances, your life, and your salvation from sin. So Paul's not celebrating a moment as much as he is celebrating a lifestyle that causes him to stop. And he goes, I just keep on hearing story after story after story after story about every day. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of 
being a minority people group in Asia Minor, man, that you're trusting God. So faith. Faith then for us speaks to surrendering control. Faith speaks to surrendering control. How many of you have ever done those stupid things called trust falls? Right? Like, I mean, literally, like, and like, it's even worse when you're like with the people that work, you're like, I don't even like you, let alone trust you. You know, it's like, no, it's like you're in there, they're doing your trust fall. And, and I, I never forget doing with a group, of, a group of people. And, you know, it's like, and we had a chair like this, maybe two, two and a quarter feet off the ground, right? And this little, this little girl, right, she's standing on this chair and she's the first, and I make her go first, right? Cause I'm not, I'm nice like that. And she gets up on the chair, and you know what? You gotta turn back around like this, right? And, and, and you go, all right, all right, you ready? Ready, falling, falling. You just kind of do a nesty plunge back in people's arms, right? And she's sitting there doing this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't do this. Oh, and I'm like, you have to do it, right? Because I'm being so compassionate. She's like, I can't do it. Like, you've got to do this. You've got to do this, right? And every single person who's holding is saying this. Just fall. We have you. Because they're in control, aren't they? Like, they're the ones in control. And it's really easy to have trust and faith when you're in control, seemingly, because you have control. But it's the moment when you have to stand up on the chair, right, and go, I'm no longer in control. I have to trust somebody else to catch me when I fall, that we stumble. And I would say faith is super easy when you have control, because it's not really faith, right? It's not faith. Faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's easy to do a, it's easy to do a trust fall when you're like, Hey, I'm sitting on the ground. I'm just going to kind of lean back real slow, right? No, I mean, it's like, let me grab this rope and let myself down into your arms so I have control. No, man, trust falls are super easy that way. But man, trust falls into the arms of people when you have to totally close your eyes and just fall back is hard, right? But it's not really faith unless that's what it is, a completely releasing control to someone else, namely here, faith in the control and the plan, the purposes of Jesus. One of the greatest stories, I think, an example of this is Bruce Olson. Bruce Olson wrote a book called Bruce. I think Scott's named it before when he's preached. And, you know, he was a missionary to the Modalini Indians in South America and, and who were a cannibalistic tribe. And it's a whole story about him getting there. If you're a part of First Methodist back in the day, you actually, Marietta, you probably met him with Charles Steinitz because they supported him as a missionary. He came to the church and spoke several times, right? But Bruce Oslin tells the story in this book. You all need to read it. Like, you need to go pick it up this week and order it and read it. I don't care, like, literally, I don't care, like, how old. Like, you can be fifth grade and above, and this is an easy book for you to read. It's a powerful, amazing story, right? So everybody, B-R-U-C-H-K-O. Order it right now, right? Amazon. So, so Bruce goes, so anyway, Bruce Olson tells a story. He says, he comes into the tribe and, he, and he's trying to, he's in a season now of learning, he's trying to figure out how can he communicate the gospel? How can he communicate the gospel? How can he translate the story of Jesus and scripture into, into their language? And one of the primary words that he was struggling with was the word faith. The word faith. And so he's sitting there one night and, and he's lying in his hammock and it came to him. He says, the Modaloni Indians would take their hammocks and they would take these small strings and they would attach them to the to the ceiling, right? About six feet off the ground in the book, there's pictures of it, right? About six feet off the ground. And, 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 and Bruce, he liked to keep his hammock lower so he could have 
one foot in the hammock and and the other on the ground. And they would make fun of him and tell him to get a good night's rest, Bruce. You have to suspend yourself high in the air and place both feet in the hammock. And that was it. This word suspend, it means to hang as to be free on all sides, right, except the point of support. And Bruce took that and defined faith, hear this, as tying your hammock string to Jesus and resting while suspended in God. And he says literally later in life when they would talk about coming to faith in Christ, they would say, and I now, I now tie my hammock strings to God and I trust him with the very essence of my life. Like, you know how hammocks work. Everybody has an Eno these days. They're the cool in thing. If you don't, you're a terrible parent. You're going to ball for your kids, right? Right, kids? And so, like, you got to bow for your kids. You know how it is? Like, you strap that hammock up, and you get in, you're like, do this. You go, mm-hmm, like this. Mm-mm-mm. Right? You're pulling, you go, and you do this. You go, mm-mm. And then all of a sudden, you go, help me, Jesus. And you get in, right? You're like, ah, oh, thank the Lord, right? Like, you've all done it. You know what I'm talking about. And he says, that's faith. But I mean, it's like a really big deal. And it's like I'm literally suspending my little bitty string up to the ceiling, suspending myself and completely trusting. I love this idea. Can't you hear, can't you see Paul hearing about this type of faith that the churches have in Asia Minor where they literally say, we're going to take ourselves and rather than try to have control by having one foot in and one foot out, right, we're just going to completely jump into the arms of Jesus, into the hammock of Jesus, and just suspend there and let him hold us in his love. Like this is this beautiful nature, right? And Paul sees this type of faith in the churches in Asia Minor, right? In the midst of everything going on, being overwhelmed, being marginalized as a religion, right? They trusted Jesus. They suspended their life in the strings attached to Jesus Trusting him in every day, falling into his arms in the context of everything that they had going on. I love this picture. Faith is primary. Faith is primary in testing the authenticity of our Christianity. So often we say we believe in Jesus. But when the moments come that challenge belief, when the difficulties come, how do we respond Rattled for him, do we quit, rattled, we're rattled in the life, right? Do we quickly recenter ourselves on Jesus? Do we become confident in him? Do we run to our hammock and jump in? Do we say, Jesus, trusting, falling, falling, okay, boom. Do I lean into him? Do I rest in him? Do we naturally find ourselves confidently turning to him? Like, do you? Do you find yourself in tragedy? Do you find yourself in difficulties? Do you find yourself in hardship? Literally saying, ah, and running into the arms of Jesus. Jesus, no matter what's going on, even if you're frustrated and offended a little bit with him, right? But you just trust him because you know, you know who you are in him and you know that he's a good father. In the midst of chaos, he can use it to bring restoration. Do you live in confidence in that place where you just quickly tie your, your hammock strings to him and just jump in? And that's what the word of Paul is saying here. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. True faith just like jumps into the hammock and falls back into Jesus. And he sees that. And you know it next week when you talk about this because you then express it with your life. Let's just press pause, make it real simple. Like, do you remember how when you, let's say for those of you, like you dated somebody. Let's just put it in a dating relationship, right? Because we've probably all dated in some form or fashion. 
or maybe a best friend. Let's do best friend. That's even better. Remember, it's just trying to bring it all back down, make sure you get everybody in, right? You remember with friends the first time you met them and you were guarded? Like the first time you meet somebody, you're guarded. Remember how you don't share everything with them and you kind of hold some things close to the vest because you don't know if you can trust them, if they're trustworthy. And then you continue to do life and all of a sudden someone takes, you know, remember that, that first little, little baby step you took into trust? To throw something out there and see how they're going to respond. See how they're going to like kind of test in the waters a little bit, right? You know what I'm getting at. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, oh, they handle that pretty well. Man, that's some great advice and they're praying for me. Let me throw something a little bit bigger. All of a sudden, like 10 years later, you're like an open book. And so the nature of trust is, it's like this. It's like we are, we're guarded, we have control, but there comes that moment where we say, walls down. And I lean into him. This is what we're talking about in the moments of hardship, the moments of difficulty when we're rattled. Do we, because we trust him, just lean into him and everything is exposed. Listen, hear this. Faith is our true north. Like you all have used compasses before. Remember, like you have a compass and you take it in your hand, boom, true north, right? Like that's it. And then this is, then we have north, south, east, and west. And faith is that part of like, hey, this is Jesus is our true north. We have our eyes focused on him. We trust him. We believe him. We follow him. Everything in my life then sub- submits to true north and faith in Jesus. And so the expression of my life then is an, out, an outgrowth, an outbirth of my trust and my confidence of due north, of going with Jesus. He's it. Everything that happens in life, what do I do? I just, I just look due north. I look, I look to true north Jesus. There you are. Faith, right? Faith is our true north. Focusing on him, seeing him, moving towards Jesus, right? It is our true north. Our faith keeps us focusing on Jesus, trusting in him at all times, and leaning into his plans and purposes and everything. With that in mind, let's quickly look, I mean, literally, very quickly, look at one example of faith from Hebrews 11. Like anytime you're going to read, like if you're like, ah, oh, you need a, a chapter in the Bible on faith, just turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and read through everybody, right? I mean, it's just like the chapter on faith, okay? And so I'm just going to look, this is like one sentence, it's super simple, verse 23 of chapter 11, you can read on the screen. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. I think that's because... Every parent thinks that their child is extraordinary. I'm just saying, right? That's my own personal conviction, right? And they were not afraid of the king's edict. I love that. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because he saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. So in this moment, it's a unique situation that speaks powerfully into their lives because they found themselves in a crisis, right? They found themselves in a moment of tension, didn't they? They found themselves in that moment where the king's edict said this, and they're believing God for this, and they're at odds. By faith and trust in God, they said, all right, God, we're going to hide our child for three months. We're going to trust, not trust. Here's the, and 
that's a that's a whole long that's a long rabbit trail. I'm not going to get there. But but faith in this moment to trust and believe God that He had purposes and plans. So they literally went against the edict. They put Moses in a in a in a in a in a basket. They sent him down the river to get over here to Pharaoh's daughter who was bathing in the moment. Right? It's like oh look at this Hebrew child and like like oh this is all working out. Then then Moses' sister said hey. I know a Hebrew woman who could come nurse this child for you. Should I go get her? Oh my gosh, that's a great, you're such a smart little girl, right? I love the plans and purposes here, right? There's this faith, this trust, and this belief in God. They're not, here's the point. They're not bowing down to fear. They're bowing down to trust in God. They don't officially know what the outcome's going to be of any of this. But even no matter what the outcome is, they're believing God, trusting in him in the moment. Fear is not defining them. Why? Because they just fell back into the arms of God and trusted him for his will in the moment. This is faith. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, this is real simple, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Like this isn't like a guilt condemning thing. It's more like, man, with faith, faith, man, it just excites God's heart, right? And if we're really going to come to him, if we're going to believe him, we've got to put both feet into the hammock and just rest and trust in him. That's what belief is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because you're trying to control your own life and God can't control. And that, that doesn't excite the heart of God. It excited the heart of Paul. And then was like, oh my gosh, I just see you and you're taking these, the nasty plunge into Jesus' arms every day in the midst of all your turmoil, in the midst of you. Man, some of you are still being persecuted, you're losing your houses and all that kind of stuff. But man, you're still confident and trusting in God and faith. Not for, you're not trusting him for something, you're trusting him for him. For his leadership, his lordship, his grace in the moment. Faith must be awakened in us by God. For the sake of a life that's pleasing to him, much like faith in the churches of Asia Minor pleased and excited Paul. Are we? Are we living a life of faith? Are we living a life relinquishing control? Do you feel more comfortable with one foot on the ground? Do you feel more comfortable catching than you do falling? Are you, what's your life looking like in the context of everything? Everything I named earlier, your, your marriage, your future, your spouse, your children, your job, your finances, right? All of these pieces, faith must be awakened. So in, in, in ending today, there's a progression of faith, kind of like an academic sense. And honestly, I want you to see, I want you to think about these three pieces and how you're doing in trusting Jesus with everything in your life, specifically thinking through the seasons of testing that you go through. So elements of faith, here we go. So true faith embraces in a balanced way, the artist said this, the ascent of the mind, the trust of the heart, and the decision of the will. Another way of saying this, and we're going to dive into each of these three just real, real quickly, it's a fully convinced affirmation of the truth of God. A fully convinced affirmation of the truth of God. We're going to look at that. It's a basic reversal of our emotional energy so that all loves submit to the love of Jesus. All loves submit to the lordship of Jesus. And that's a voluntary surrender of our will to God's will. So the mind. Faith begins with truth. You cannot have true faith in something unless it's true and accurate. Right? 
You can't have faith unless it's true and it's accurate. So biblically, faith starts with reliable, accredited to eyewitnesses who attest to the truth. And it's on this basis that faith becomes possible. So basically, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written to attest to the story of Jesus having eyewitnesses to tell us what they saw because that was that brought it credit. And so they wanted to listen. It's not this. It's not just some random faith. There's a specific person, a specific thing at a specific time. They did. And it begins right here. Right. It begins right here. That's what we call apologetics. We all love them. Someone who can defend the faith like we want to defend because because Christianity has to be accurate. We're not going to ask someone to have faith and belief and trust that it's not true. So it begins right here in the mind. It's a mental ascent. That's why people are like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. They've, they had this mental ascent, but then it goes on to the heart. Beyond mental ascent, personal trust embraces a centered emotional movement. A concentra- I love these words. That's why I'm reading them. A concentrated, passionate leap of the whole person towards God. I love that. A passionate, concentrated, passionate leap of the whole person towards God. Like, it's, it's a trust fall. It's someone saying, oh, I, yes, my heart, like I, I've become awakened, I've become alive, right? Faith isn't just here, it's now, it's my mind, it's my will and my emotions. Every fat part of my being is like alive to the reality of God, his leadership, his love, his kindness, the spiritual blessings that he's poured out richly upon me that I've now been inherited. I'm so awakened to the fact that he is in the middle of chaos, he's leading, he's Lord, he has a plan, he has a purpose. Like I've been awakened in the third part is on my will. So now I bow down to him every day is a living sacrifice, right? This personal trust of my will now to the will of God. I willingly, with confidence in God's ability and leadership every day, I surrender my life and my will to God's leadership and guidance. In the, listen, so, so how do I gauge this? Well, it's real simple. Name the thing that causes you the greatest tension, fear, worry, and doubt. And ask yourself, are my eyes on true north? Like, am I walking with the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in the midst of my tension. Am I completely with both feet in trusting God's plan and purpose. I have a responsibility to pray. I have a responsibility to be obedient in the moment, right? I might have these tensions in the moment, but ultimately I find my tension and just leads me back to Jesus. And so I have confidence in him and I'm, and I find myself with him and in the midst of tension, or do I find myself in the midst of my great tension looking east and south and, and west? And do I find myself being overcome by anger, worry, doubt as a primary expression. I may, I may, I may experience those a little bit, but they just lead me back to true north, right? The fear, like when I'm standing here like this in my, in my trustful peace, like it is, it is completely normal to have a, a sense of fear, a, a, a sense of concern, right? Like that's, that's healthy. That's, that's us. That's us. That's being, us being wise, but, but it needs to lead us to go, God, are you there? Huh, are you there, God? Yes. Okay, falling. Do you see what happens? Like, I'm concerned. I have that peace. It's God's given wisdom. But then it's like, you're there. Okay, God, here I go. Every single one is like, ah, oh, is to pull me back true north. Does that make sense? And so in that, what does it lead? Well, next week we're going to see, I mean, it's going to lead us to action. 
Because, listen, because when I trust, it this leads me to action. It leads me to loving people. It leads me to, listen, you have faith. That is awesome. And I see your faith because it leads you to action and loving your neighbor, not just focusing on self, not being defined and crippled by your own fear, your own concern, your own worry. Do you know anybody in the world who is so crippled by their own stuff they can't do anything else? And so faith says, God, this is going on. It's a big mountain. But I trust you to move it, so I'm going to go over here and bless this person, be in love on this person. It leads to action. So, that's it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for true north, God, that we're able to have faith in Jesus. I thank you, God, that we're able to, to take that leap, that plunge, the wholehearted leap into the hammock and to rest in you. Father, God, a, a life without rest is a sign that we're trying to control our life and not rest in the hammock with you. And Lord, I just confess, as I look around the room, I know a lot of people in this room. I don't know my own life. And I see the own, I see tension And Lord, I'm asking this morning as we prayed, God, in our time, that, God, there'd be an awakening today to to faith. We'd be awakened to your leadership. We'd be awakened to your goodness. We'd be awakened to your plan and purposes. God, we'd be awakened to true trust because we know you so well that every day we say, oh, my gosh, the safest thing to do is to be a living sacrifice to God and let him lead my life because I'm royally going to mess it up when I try to control things. And when I try to control things, I just live in fear, I live in worry, I live in doubt, I live in concern, I live with trepidation, I live in this place of anxiety. But God, thank you, that I can just hop in the hammock and rest. And that God, you will then call me to do things, right? The doing part of loving my neighbor, of being a blessing. But Lord, even in that, there's still trust and faith in that God, you're moving in power. So Lord, this morning, I pray that you would awaken us to what it means to have faith, which leads to action. There'd be a healthy marriage in that so that we can be rested people. So that we can co-labor with you. Lord, today, I'm asking, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for a gift of faith, an awakening to faith to occur in our hearts. In Jesus' name. All right. So I'm asking that you respond this morning. And the way I'm asking you to respond is simple. I want you just to be honest about your faith, about where you are, and and not coming to the Lord of Condemnation. Oh gosh, I'm so terrible. Oh, I'm the worst faith person in the world. Oh, right. And then I go, God, whoo. I just confess, I'm really not good at putting both feet into the hammock. Grace, help me. Help me be awesome at it. Let me be awesome because you're awesome. So, Lord, help me today. And then bring the thing you have a hard time having faith in and bring it to him and tell him why you have a hard time believing him. Have an honest conversation with Jesus. Tell him, I don't even know why, God, I really do. I, have, I believe in my unbelief. Right, God, I'm struggling. I don't know why, but help. 
Have an honest conversation before the Lord. You have ministry teams that are going to be on their way up here right now. They're going to come and pray for anybody who wants prayer. Hey, I'm really struggling. I say, my gosh, we get it. Every Listen, both of, these, both of these prayer teams get it. I know them. They know. They just love to pray for you in this, whatever you're wrestling with. Offering baskets available if it's an act of worship every Sunday, right? Having faith. And part of it is say, God, I believe and trust you with my finances. I have faith, Lord, so I will give faithfully what you've given me. Because I know to trust that you will provide. We have communion available every Sunday. Why? Because we want you to have an opportunity to have a remembrance of the gospel of Jesus. So it can be alive and awake inside of you again today. All right. Faith. It excites, excited Paul, it excites the heart of God, and that excites me. So you respond as the Lord leads, I'll come back in a few minutes and I'll pray. So.